Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, it's okay. You're addicted to Dynasty and I am too. My name's Justin Christopher and I am a Dynasty Freak. Strangely, that's a freak with two E's. I love the NFL. I watch every game every week. I love drafting, trading, scouting, managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So do you. So let's talk some Dynasty. Here's what we have in store today on episode number 70. We're going to do kind of observations from week number 13. We are now in the fantasy playoffs. Week number 13 is in the books, which means our playoffs are just starting up this week. It's always a fun time. I hope that you dominated your regular season and on your way to the postseason in your leagues. Uh, Not that you care about my teams, but I will tell you that I did make the playoffs in six of my ten competitive leagues. So six teams that are still alive, including my recent FFPC league, my first time to do one of those, and including the uh, expert league that I joined with several other podcasters and uh, analysts that are out there. So that's been fun to make both of those playoff runs myself as well. I hope that my advice has helped you do the same. So here are some of my thoughts on week number 13, a couple observations overall, trends that I see happening. We'll talk a little bit about some of the injuries and the impact that those might have uh, going forward this season, as well as some of the dynasty impact that they might have. Then we'll go to the waiver wire, talk about some of the players that uh, maybe were available this week. Pretty thin week. And then finally, we'll close with analyzing a couple of trades that went down in my leagues. Give us all just a chance to talk about different player values That's really the aim of this podcast, to talk about a number of players and how we think their stock is rising or falling. So let's go ahead and get started. Uh, My top four observations for the week. Number one is that several fantasy giants are starting to fade. You guys know that for the last decade, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, and maybe to a lesser extent, Philip Rivers, have been fantasy giants. Like Their quarterback play has elevated the value of all the players on their teams. Now, however, it feels like Father Time is catching up with him. None of them has looked the same this season, especially, especially the last few weeks. Uh, their coaching, you can tell that their coaches are designing far less aggressive game plans for them. They don't seem to have the arm strength to get the ball down the field anymore. It's really sad to witness as fans who loved watching these three guys. In the case of New England and New Orleans, their defense has been so strong that they're actually winning games this way. Whereas for the Chargers, uh, do have a strong defense, but this year it's been injury, I call it the injury-rattled defense. You can't say the same for them. They haven't been able to pull off wins by playing this way. Maybe except for Michael Thomas and Austin Eckler, the other skilled players on these teams are underperforming uh, where they were when we drafted them or what we thought of them going into the season as dynasty prospects. Alvin Kamara has not scored a touchdown since week three. That's pretty crazy. Last week, Keenan Allen scored for the first time since week three. And Mike Williams, the guy who won people championships with all his touchdown catches in last year's fantasy playoffs, he's not caught a single touchdown this year. Hunter Henry and Jared Cook have had a few good games, and Julian Edelman overall has actually been consistent. But that's about it. Long gone are New England's days when they they used to make guys like LeGarrette Blunt into fantasy stars, right? They're just not able to do it anymore. Check this out. The Chargers are 30th in the league in scoring. The Patriots are 28th in the league in the scoring, and the Saints are 23rd in the league in scoring. So all of these are bottom third teams in scoring, and some of them near the very, very worst. The Chargers at 30, the Patriots at 28. These fantasy giants 
are starting to fade. The quarterbacks are on the edge of the cliff, so to speak, and they're taking all of their offensive teammates with them, unfortunately. Not all, most of their teammates with them. Second thing that I noticed, an observation for this week, is that I gave up on two players, a few players, too early. Two players that I dropped, one player that I dropped, and one player that I traded. Um, now I'm just going to have to admit that I'm wrong on them. So these two players are Derrick Henry and Devontae Parker. So I sold all my shares of Derrick Henry last year after he ended the year on fire. I just thought that's the best we're ever going to see from him. I really didn't believe he can do it again, but he certainly proved me wrong. I cannot believe he's the third highest scoring running back. I would have never guessed it, and I was wrong. I wish I wouldn't have sold him like I did at the end of last year. Devontae Parker, on the other hand, I didn't sell him because no one wanted to buy him. In fact, I just dropped Devontae Parker from my teams last year on the few that I owned him, and that looks pretty bad now. Uh, He's played incredibly well all year. Um, It's not just in garbage time either. Last Sunday was his best game really of his career. If you watch the highlights of that game or watch the game, you saw that he did all the things that we thought he could do when when they drafted him four years ago. Uh, Just great at jump balls in the red zone. He was doing so well. Um, At least I can say, in my case, that I did draft Devontae Parker in one of my startups in like the 20th round or so. I think it was probably past the 20th round. And he has carried me into the playoffs in this uh, experts league that I'm a part of. So I didn't give up him totally, but I did wait till after the 20th round to be able to draft him in a startup. So I wish I would not have dropped him last year. Similarly, my third observation for the week is I did not give up on a few players, and I'm glad that I did not. There's two players I didn't give up on that I'm glad that I've not. I'm happy that I continue to roster these two players, Anthony Miller and James Washington, even though at times they appear to be passed by the other wide receivers on their team. Miller has finally secured a role in Chicago, it looks like. He got 33 targets the last three weeks, turning them into 40 fantasy points. I don't believe Chicago can move away from him now after targeting him like this and seeing what he's proven these last few weeks, even if Taylor Gabriel comes back from his injury. Uh, Miller has had seven touchdowns last year while playing through lots of uh, injuries, injuries to his shoulder, where this year he just got off to a slow start, but now he's starting to turn into the sure-handed target that we thought he could be when they drafted him out of Memphis two years ago. And so I'm glad that I've been patient with him. Uh, My buddy Dave and I have him in our RSO league, salary contract league, so we've got him for a couple more years at a really low rate, and I'm really excited about his opportunities going into next year as well. Next guy was James Washington. Um, It was definitely hard to hold on to him this year. Uh, He, especially when Dante Moncrief seemed to pass him by, and then it looked like uh, Deontay Johnson, the other rookie there, was going to pass him by. And uh, it just seemed like there was, he was losing a spot in the depth chart. The old Mason Rudolph college quarterback throwing to you narrative just kind of faded away. And it looked like he was going to lose his job. But now, these last two weeks, he's really turning into the big play wide receiver that we thought he could be when we drafted him two years ago. Um, he'll still have to establish rapport, I think, with Big Ben uh, once he's back. But it seems like a lot of the problem with him was getting in the coach's uh, doghouse, so to speak. And so if he keeps performing like this, finishes strong, and earns the coach's trust, I think he'll definitely earn Big Ben's trust, too. I think he can do that. Fourth and final thing, just an overall observation from this last week, is that there appears to be three new number one wide receivers on teams. Three teams that seem to have number one wide receiver changes. I'm referring to DK Metcalf, uh, Jarvis Landry, and A.J. Brown. I think that they're all the number one wide receivers on their team now. 
Uh, A.J. Brown had 90% of the snap count last week, while Corey Davis only had 68%. And he's been getting way more targets, too. He's the highest targeted player on their team. Now, targets are slim in Tennessee, so we've got to be realistic with that fact that they are a run-first team behind uh, Derrick Henry. But he has become the most targeted player on his team. There's no doubt about it that he is the wide receiver one in Tennessee. And I love to see what he's going to do in the next couple of years. He's one of my favorite players. And then you have uh, Jarvis Landry. Can't keep, can't keep him down. Jarvis Landry and OBJ, they roughly play about the same amount of snaps. Landry actually barely favors OBJ in snaps. But Landry just has more targets and more yards week after week after week. I haven't been had the courage to move him ahead of OBJ in my rankings just because of slight age difference and also just considering that maybe they're going to get on the same page and get a new coach and they're going to find a way to use OBJ more. But I've got to move them closer and closer because he just simply got more of the action and he's carried teams into the playoffs. It seems like he is Baker Mayfield's number one target. And finally, DK Metcalf. Uh, Metcalf and Lockett have had about the same number of snaps and the same number of targets overall on the season. But since week eight, there's been a significant shift toward favoring Metcalf. Uh, he passed by Lockett in Seattle. It appears to be a permanent thing, in my opinion. Lockett can get out of his recent slump. He's been bad the last few weeks. Um, and he can still be efficient like he is known for historically. But he's just going to see fewer and fewer targets now because he's been passed. DK Metcalf has passed him by and is the number one wide receiver in Seattle. Those are some overall observations. Give us a chance to talk about some players who are all on the rise, ones that we regret dropping, trading, some that we're glad that we didn't drop or trade. Now let's move on to the injury reports, really just three that I wanted to talk about and, and their kind of value going forward in the playoffs this year and what it means to possibly from a dynasty standpoint for some of them. Uh, there were just a few. I'll just mention uh, Greg Olson, tight end out of Carolina. He sustained a concussion on a pretty brutal hit. I suspect that he'll be out for several games, particularly just given his age. The recent coaching change in Carolina, there's really nothing left for them to prove. So I've always liked his backup, Ian Thomas, and I actually thought this year that he would cut into Olsen's playing time a lot more than he has so far. Um, so I think that Thomas now, in these last few games, he's going to get almost all the snaps in the coming weeks. He would even be an excellent player to make a preemptive pickup. Um, if he's available in your leagues, pick him up now before he maybe does well in this coming week and we someone else then wants him after that. Second guy I'd mention would be Kalen Blage. Blage hurt his knee early in the game on Sunday, and now he's lost for the season as they put him on IR. Um, he's just been awful this year, and I'm thankful I didn't have him on any of my rosters. If I did have him on my rosters, I would have dropped him by now, so he's not even a player that I would roster um, even when he was given the lead opportunity after the other injuries there in Miami. I, didn't, I wanted nothing to do with him. So in this case, uh, Patrick Laird came into the game, and he looked really good, especially in the passing game. Um, it's conceivable that Laird could be a startable uh, playoff running back for you in deeper leagues, and particularly only in PPR leagues. But he's going to get the bulk of the work there, running the ball and catching the ball in Miami these last few weeks. And uh, Fitzpatrick's going to throw it around, and Laird's going to benefit. I picked him up in one of my leagues, and really am going to consider this full PPR league uh, starting him this next week. In fact, the projections are actually telling me to start him over some of the other backs that I have. So it's going to be a tough choice to roll him out in the playoffs, but you might be willing to do it. Don't think it's a very good dynasty you know, trade for the long term. Man, God, God willing, they're going to actually get one of these great running backs in the draft uh, with all the picks that they accumulated with their trades. So none of those guys are going to be starting in Miami in the future. Finally, last I'll mention uh, Darrell Williams. Williams hurt his hamstring early in the game, and now he was placed on IR this week. 
So Kansas City's kind of scrambling at running back. Damian Williams uh, has not practiced after his uh, rib injury two weeks ago. And the coaching staff, for some reason, in Kansas City doesn't seem to trust the Sean McCoy with the full workload. So they even brought Spencer Ware back in this week. And, of course, what we led, what it led to last week at the end of the game was our finally our chance to see Darwin Thompson in meaningful playtime. Uh, Thompson, of course, was the offseason darling this year. He's a preseason star. Uh, he, he could come in and actually do exactly what Damian Williams did last year in winning people fantasy championships. I'm not so sure because I think it is going to be pretty split between he and McCoy, but it is at least going to be fun for us who've held on to Thompson this whole time uh, to see what he can do once he's given more of an opportunity. So the next few weeks are going to be pretty fun to see Thompson's uh, value, I believe, to rise significantly. Thompson was actually dropped in one of my leagues in the middle of the year, and I immediately picked him up. I went you know, straight to the waiver wire and said, nope, I'm not going to let that happen. I'm going to get that guy on my team. So the dynasty owners that weren't patient with him are finally going to see what he can or that were patient with him, rather, are finally going to see uh, what he can do in these next few weeks. Next, we'll talk about a couple of waiver wire moves. Um, as a reminder, I play in Dynasty Leagues that roster 27 to 30 players, so the player pool is very thin. There's only three players that I even made any sort of claim for this week, only only three players that I was interested in. Uh, one I expected to see when I went to the waiver wire. Then there were two that I was actually surprised to see. I was like, well, what are these guys doing here? So I made uh, claims on them as well. First would be Tyler Higby. Boy, did Higby take advantage of uh, Gerald Everett's injury and the league's worst defense against tight ends in Arizona to have the best game of his career. For the last few years, the Rams' tight ends have been pretty worthless on our fantasy teams. Even though when they drafted Everett, you know, they talked about him being the next Jordan Reed or being McVay's kind of Jordan Reed. We've just not seen it. The tight ends and for the Rams have been really bad. But this year, things seem to have changed. Uh, Higby and Everett were both um, on the kind of the back end of rosters, or in, often a lot of my leagues were off of rosters, so they were picked up off waivers during this year. And as the year progressed, it seemed pretty clear that Everett was starting to get more snaps and had more fantasy points and more opportunities than Higby. And so what I noticed happened is Everett was kind of kept and rostered, whereas Higby was dropped. And that's why he was on the waiver wire in most of my leagues this last time. I still think the Rams prefer Everett, um, and I do believe that he's a better player than Higby. So Everett's the player I'd want to own from a dynasty perspective. But for the end of the year in this playoff run perspective, if if Everett continues to be hurt, uh, I wanted to have Higby on my team. I've got a few teams where my tight ends are not the best, and so it could be that I actually go with Higby here in the playoffs, or particularly I've got him at least as a backup if someone was to get hurt. Um, that's kind of what I was thinking. Uh, he could even be a bit of a defensive mood just to keep him off of other teams' rosters. So pick up Higby if it's not too late in your league. Uh, next guy that I was surprised to see actually was Gardner Minshew. So Minshew was only available in one of my leagues. I was surprised to see it, and I was happy that I actually won my bid for him. I got him, got him on my roster. I have him in one other league, um, and I never thought to drop him once Foles was named the starter in Jacksonville. It was apparent to me that Minshew is the future in Jacksonville, so I was never tempted to drop Minshew. But I guess the other owner in this other league disagreed and at some point dropped Minshew. It's a one-quarterback league, so it's not like a must-add, like it was a horrible move to drop him. Uh, But he showed me enough to make me want to keep him on my bench and see if he can prove something in the coming years. I like the fact that he's likely going to have a new coach next year which could lead to them being a little bit more of a passing-based offense than a run-based offense like they try to be behind Fournette. Um, and they definitely have the wide receiver weapons this year uh, to prove that they could be successful if they move to more of a passing offense. I was happy to get Gardner Minshew off the waiver this this week. And then finally, uh, I put in a bid for Mitch Trubisky. He's another one I was pretty surprised to see that was on the waiver wire. 
I get it in some respects. Like, he's looked pretty awful at times this year. Like, really, really awful. But the fact is that he also has boom weeks. When he plays bad defenses, that's what the, the MO has been for him this year. Like, when he has a bad, plays a bad defense, he does great. And so he tore up Detroit on Thanksgiving Day, right? Just tore him up. I think he got 27 uh, fantasy points. And so I like to stream my quarterbacks on most of my dynasty teams. And I could see giving Trubisky an occasional start when the matchup is right. Uh, plus, I think he just has too much draft capital for the Bears just to give up on him completely. I think he's going to get another few years to prove himself. Um, and I'm glad to have him kind of give him a chance to prove himself on my dynasty team as well. So picked him up in one league. Last and finally, we'll move to some of the trades. Give us a chance to talk about a few players here. These are some trades that went down. It's going to start to get slower on this trade front, so the podcasts are going to change in their form and what I'll be uh, speaking about week to week because the trade deadline's expired in all of two of my all but two of my leagues, and then all of the other ones will be expiring. One expires tonight, and then there's another league that expires, I think uh, next Wednesday or something like that. So the trading flurry has subsided quite a bit. That said, there were a few interesting trades that took place in my leagues this week. First one I'll mention was Joe Mixon and David Njoku. So Joe Mixon and David Njoku for Phillip Rivers, Brandon Cooks, and a 2020 second round pick. I like the Mixon and Njoku side of this trade pretty pretty, pretty squarely. Uh, Mixon's only going to get uh, better in Cincinnati. I think he's only going to improve in Cincinnati. Next year, they'll have a new, a new quarterback. I'm sure that they're going to draft one in the first round, maybe even the very first pick of the draft. I think that they'll get their injured offensive lineman back. That's been a big trouble for them, too. Their offensive line has been so bad. And so I think Mixon's just going to see his stock improve going into next year. And Joku didn't really get the chance to prove anything this year since he was injured for most of the season. But that said, the other tight ends in Cleveland have not proven anything either. So Joku should be right back to the lead tight end role. Um, of course, he's coming back off of IR, so we're actually going to get to see it here for a few weeks. Um, but I like this Joe Mixon and, and Joku side. The other side, Rivers, Cooks, and a 2022nd. I already said it before, but I think that Rivers is one of those three quarterbacks that looks like he's on that you know drop off a cliff uh, type of thing that we're starting to see with older quarterbacks. Um, I really love Cooks, but he's been one of my favorite players. But he has been a player that I've soured on this year. Um, I sold him as I mentioned last week. He was involved in one of the trades that I made last week, just straight up for Jarvis Landry. I think he's too young and too talented of a player to decline, uh, you know, be droppable or decline horribly like as far as his personal skill level but the continued great play of uh, Robert Woods and Cooper Cup now in LA that they're inviting uh, the tight ends to be part of the game plan I feel like uh, Cooks is at an all-time low right now of his dynasty value he's definitely the lowest he's ever been in my rankings right now I do like that the owner did get a second round pick out of this trade uh, but I think I would have needed a first I would have been more willing to do this trade if I could get a first round pick out of it that would mean that I think that I could try to replace uh, Mixon with one of these great running backs that's coming out in this next year's draft. I don't know if you're going to get one in the second. So I may have done it for a first, but not for a second. Next trade that I'll mention was just a player-for-player player trade. It was Cam Newton for DJ Chark. This trade, of course, was made in a Superflex league uh, where Cam still holds some, some good value. It was pretty funny. One owner actually posted to the message board, anyone still like Cam? And uh, I guess someone did because that team gave up Kim, because uh, he has a lot of depth at his quarterback position, so you know you wouldn't make this trade if you only had two quarterbacks in a, in a super flex league, but he had three or four quarterbacks in the super flex league, so he was willing to part with Cam and get Chark. Overall, I just think I like the Chark side of this trade a lot more. Uh, he's younger, he's kind of coming into his own, and is almost like a wide receiver one at this point. 
I still believe in Cam and think he has some good years left in Carolina or perhaps on another team. Uh, but his injuries and his style of play really make his year's number where Chark's going to provide value uh, for years to come. Last trade that I'll mention was Cortland Sutton for Peyton Barber in a 2021st, second, and third. So pretty big trade here. Cortland Sutton for Peyton Barber. Really, that was just kind of the throw-in on the trade, I guess. But a first, second, and third. And I, I like Sutton a lot. I really, really like him a lot. I've moved him up to my wide receiver number 18 right now in my rankings. And after last week's awesome play, I may even move him up higher when I do my rankings uh, updates on Saturday. I think the owner, though, paid a little bit too much for him, especially in this great 2020 rookie class that we have coming up. I think that I would have uh, I would have given up a first-round draft pick for Sutton, like right away, just because I feel like I'm a, I definitely like to take a stab when I've got two years of proof, like I've seen him for two years, to know that he's going to be a really good player. But I don't think that I would be willing to give up a first, second, and a third That'd be too much just to have to wait until the fourth round uh, to draft a player in this next awesome 2020 class. So the new Sutton owner, I know I know both of these guys pretty well because I play in several leagues with them. The Sutton owner is a uh, great judge of talent, and he's always willing to pay more for guys. Like he'll he'll make a, a good aggressive offer if there's a guy that he wants. And the other owner actually really loves draft picks, and so he gets impatient impatient a little bit with the young players. And so it's not surprising to see a trade like this go down, given the uh, philosophy of both of these owners that I'm in a couple different leagues with. I know them well. So that's kind of my summary of week number 13. I really hope that you guys are in the playoffs and have a great time beating and dominating the teams and becoming a dynasty in your leagues. I hope that you'll keep listening to the podcast too, even though uh, you might be knocked out of the playoffs because you know that dynasty, when you're losing, you're actually winning. So you've got a chance to Still consider player values and make some good decisions here. I hope that you keep coming back and listening. You could always do me a favor by rating and reviewing on Apple Podcasts. I haven't had many of those lately, so I would love it if you'd take the time to do that. That would be a great favor for me. As always, I say keep it a two-way conversation anytime by contacting me at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. That's freaks with two E's, or you can just contact me through the website, dynastyfreaks.com. I hope that I can be your most trusted and reliable, independent voice in the Dynasty community. Give me a shout anytime. You know what to do until next time, though. Go out there and get freaky in the playoffs. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. 